Sometimes you're called to give a word when God's already spoken. You know, there are uh, times as a church family that the only right response is to respond as a family, and that is to grieve together. And when you get the news of challenging financial times and the need for a layoff of a beloved pastor and friend who is well-valued and has done wonderful ministry, uh, there's only one response, and that is to have heavy hearts. Uh, To have a heavy heart for a pastor, uh, to have a heavy heart for a family, and to have a heavy heart as a church family. And I only know of one response to move forward uh, as your pastor today. Uh, I only know one right response And that is to look to the faithfulness of Jesus Christ and to invite him to be our answer today, Uh, to gaze at him in the midst of all the realities of all of our lives. And so that's my hope this morning, because in 2 Corinthians 3, we're going to be invited today to shine for Jesus Christ, to reflect the light of his glory, almost like a planet reflects the light of the sun. And in the science world, there's actually a technical term for this, for the amount of reflectivity of a planet of the sunlight that hits it. It's called albedo. Uh, Albedo is the measurement of how much sunlight a celestial body reflects And albedo is a little bit of an interesting term, and uh, just to clarify as I'm beginning, it's not the same as libido, just just so everybody knows out there. I don't want to get in trouble before I get started today, and and if you don't know what libido is, you can ask your mom and dad on the way home, but the planet Venus, for example, has the highest albedo of any planet in our solar system. It has an albedo of 0.65, that means that 65% of the light from our sun that hits Venus is reflected off of it. Uh, For example, the planet Pluto, or the almost planet, we always forget Pluto, he he gets included with the other planets, Uh, but depending on where it is in the orbit, the planet Pluto has an albedo of 50%, meaning that 50% of the sun's light that hits Pluto is reflected off. Our night light, the moon, has a 7% albedo. And we know that even on a cloudless night, even though it has one of the lowest albedos of 7%, it can light our way on a dark night. And in a similar sense, each one of us has what I'm going to call today a spiritual albedo. And God wants us to shine for Him. And as we're going to discover in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 today, He wants us to have unveiled faces that reflect His glory as we are transformed into His likeness. He wants to increase the reflectivity of His Son in our lives as we follow Him. And it's my prayer today, as we gather before the Lord, that we will walk out of here a little bit brighter for Jesus than when we walked in. And we've been in this message series in 2 Corinthians that we're calling Unbreakable But Broken. And what a great title for us today. To recognize the brokenness of the news that we're sharing and yet to look to the unbreakable hope of Jesus Christ. And 
We're in this New Testament book that's called 2 Corinthians that the Apostle Paul, led by the Holy Spirit, wrote to the Corinthian churches and to us through his living word. And here in chapter 3 that we're in today, it is all about God's glory. It's all about God's glory. And yet to understand what God wants to tell us today, we're actually going to have to bounce. So are you willing to bounce with me this morning, all right? Because we're going to bounce from 2 Corinthians 3 all the way back to the Old Testament, to Exodus chapters 33 and 34, where we read the true story of Moses on Mount Sinai experiencing the glory of God. Because what we're going to find in 2 Corinthians 3 is that Paul refers to Moses on the mountain of God, experiencing the glory of God over and over again and wanting us to understand the glory of Jesus Christ today. And so I'm going to ask you to stand as we read 2 Corinthians 3, verses 17 and 18. If you would stand for the reading of God's Word. And we're also going to read parts of Exodus 33 and 34, which talk about Moses experiencing the glory of God on Mount Sinai as he is leading the people of Israel out of, the, out of Egypt, through the wilderness, and into the promised land. And this is a little bit longer scripture reading than normal, but it's worth it. So hang in there with me. And by the way, uh, if you're a guest with us today, we always put the scriptures on the screen. You're more than welcome to pull a digital Bible up from your phone or bring a paper Bible. Also online at EncounterLife.org. If you go to the resources page, there are notes that have all the scriptures. We also include some discussion questions. If you want to use them as a family later on during the week or with a group of friends at lunchtime or as part of a Bible study. But this is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, uh, chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the other. Exodus 33:18 I'm bouncing. And Moses said, "Please show me your glory." Show me your glory, Lord. Would you pray that prayer with me today, church? But he, the Lord, said, You cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And the Lord passed by him, that's Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for the thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. And Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and, there, and they were afraid to come near him. And when Moses had finished speaking with him, he put a veil over his face. And whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. 
And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he had commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses was shining, and Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. Would you pray with me, church? Father God, we come to you today as your church with heavy hearts, looking to you, asking you to show your glory to us and your faithfulness to us. We thank you for your testimony that was spoken earlier, Lord, a testimony from you today for us. And we invite you to work right now through your living word, and Lord, we also have just hearts that are praying for the Mackenzie Adams family and uh, their son, Dane, who was in a motorcycle accident recently, God, and uh, we just pray for them. We pray for the doctors. We pray for Dane. We pray for strength for the family. We pray for comfort. Lord, our hearts are with them before you. And Lord, our hearts go to you now, and we just ask you to speak in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Please be seated. Uh, you know, on a little bit less serious note, I know some of you are praying for me today because the Niners are playing the Rams tomorrow, all right? So I'm, I'm not a Niner fan. I know there's a lot of Rams fans in the rooms, but I do appreciate your prayers on days like that. But in Exodus 33 and 34, Moses, who is leading the people of Israel, asks God to show him his glory that he may more effectively lead the people. And God does. God shows himself to his child, to his son Moses, and reveals his character to him. And the Lord tells Moses, I'm gracious, I'm full mercy, and I'm compassionate, and I'm slow to anger, and I have loving kindness to the thousands. And it's really fascinating because Bible teachers to this day debate why was it that Moses, when he'd spend time on the mountain with God, and then he'd come down to tell the people what God had spoken to him, why was it that he would put this veil over his face? And there's actually quite a bit of debate on why he would do that. And there's two predominant views. One view basically goes like this. Some people think that Moses covered his face with a veil because the glory of God that had shined on him, the farther he got down the mountain, the more the glory of God faded. And in, in some ways he was ashamed as God's glory was fading from him and almost like he was losing his influence and authority the farther he got away from God. He didn't want the people to know. Almost like a superhero who all of a sudden is losing their superpower and they don't want anybody else to know. It's a little bit like if Spider-Man lost his web ability and didn't want you know, anybody, you know, the Green Goblin, to know. Or you know, if someone like the Black Widow, all of a sudden she lost her martial arts ability and didn't want anyone else to know. The, Moses didn't want the people to question his authority because of the transitory nature of the God's glow. His afterglow was fading. And that's probably the more popular biblical view out there. But the other view, and I actually think it's the correct one, is that Moses covered his face to protect the people from the awesome glory of God. That in, in many ways, him veiling his face was an act of grace. 
an act of protection to separate the holy glory of God from the sinfulness of the people, much like in a permanent way, Jesus for us, when he died on the cross, that veil in the temple that symbolized the very presence of our holy God was torn in two because of what Christ did for us on the cross. And whichever view you take, the main point is clear. The glory of God is powerful and transforms our lives. And the Apostle Paul again and again points us to these events with Moses and the glory of God, sharing some powerful truths about living for the glory of God. And the first one being living for the glory of God transforms us by the light of Christ. In chapter 3, verse 18 in 2 Corinthians we read, And when we all... With unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Uh, There's a man by the name of Abraham Heschel, and he once said this, Six days a week, we seek to dominate the world. On the seventh day, we seek to dominate the self. And I find it really interesting that as the Apostle Paul is talking to us about the glory of Christ, he keeps connecting us back to Exodus and the true life events of Moses. And one of the themes of Exodus is the importance of the Sabbath, the importance of worshiping together. And God wants us to behold him and his character as we worship today, as we Sabbath together today, as we're transformed into his image. And encounter, I would ask you, what are you gazing on in this very moment? What are you gazing on in life? What is the focus of your attention? What are you beholding? The glory of God the greatness of God, the beauty and the power of Jesus Christ, or so many smaller things. And instead of always focusing on the darkness, focus on the light of Christ, because you can't behold the glory of God. You can't be touched by the glory of God. You can't be transformed by the glory of God if you're not gazing upon the beauty and the wonder of who Jesus Christ is as the Son of God. And when you do, God will change you. You know, throughout this series, we've been using this image of the Japanese art of kintsugi, where basically they take these ancient broken vessels, repair them, and put them back into use again. And instead of hiding the breakage, instead the breakage and the repair is highlighted by using gold lacquer and in a similar way instead of us always focusing on our brokenness and all of our failures in the past that we've given to Christ and our weaknesses today we give those over to him and let him shine through our weakness as he's the one who makes us strong and in a similar way we can use our life to pour out our life for our glory alone, or we can use our life and in greater and greater ways learn how to pour out our lives for the glory of God. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, as Paul talks about God's glory, he keeps connecting it back to Moses in Exodus 33 and 34. And so let's remember what's happening there. And by the way, you may be in the room today and never heard the story of Moses before. Maybe you're brand new to learning the Bible. Brand new to learn what it means to follow Jesus Christ. And if that's you today, we want you to know you're in the right place. 
because we are all learning about Jesus Christ together. And this is a great place to come and learn to understand the Bible and what it means to have a living relationship with God. And this is what was happening with Moses. God's been wrestling with Moses and they've been arguing together and the people have made this golden calf that they're worshiping as an idol and God is really upset about it and Moses is upset and God is upset and they're wrestling through it together and it's actually a pretty powerful read because you read some things like this in Exodus 33 verse 11 thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend and I want you to know I could camp on that verse all day long and be a happy person because that verse reminds me of other verses in the Bible, like James chapter 2, verse 23, that says, And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. Moses, Abraham, you and me can have a relationship with the incredible God of heaven, where he calls us friend. A face-to-face relationship with God that's transforming. Moses was a friend of God. They had that type of relationship. They talked together. They spent time together. They knew each other. And I believe God puts verses like this in the Bible to let us know that just like Abraham, just like Moses, we can know our God as our Savior and as our friend. Where the Lord speaks to you today and says, you are my friend. And it's a relationship that transforms us. And how humbling, how humbling today to know God as our Savior and our friend. To know that His love is that great. And I want you to remember Moses' prayer. He says this in Exodus 33, verse 18. Moses said, please Show me your glory. Show me your glory, Lord. What a great prayer. What a dangerously good prayer. What a wonderful prayer. Moses wanted to see something bigger. He wanted more of God. God, I want to see more of you, he is saying. And I want us to remember who's saying this, because this is Moses. This is the guy who spent time on top of the mountain, on God's mountain, with the Lord. He's already been hanging out with God on Mount Sinai, while Aaron, his chief of staff, his second in command, is dancing around a golden idol with the rest of the people of Israel. My point is this, he's kind of already kind of close to God. And yet he's saying, Lord... Show me your glory. God, show me more of who you are. I need more of who you are. I will do anything to know more of who you are. And what a dangerously good prayer for us to pray today as a church. And I want you to know as your new pastor, I'm praying that prayer for us as a church. Lord, show us your glory. Show us more of who you are. In fact, I would invite you to be praying with me for God to show us his glory as a church, for God to give us a vision, a kingdom vision for the future that's bigger than who we are. 
bigger than we've ever thought of the Lord of before as a church. To dream a dream with the Lord together and pray for God to show himself in a way to us, in his glory to us, that he gives us a vision for the future that's worth living and dying for as the people of God. Show me your glory, Lord. And I don't know how to totally express this to you other than just to say it, but in some ways I feel like the Lord whispers glimpses to me of future visions for encounter, a growing vision of prayer where prayer continues to be and continues to grow in us as the foundation of our mission as a church as we encounter God and encourage others and engage the world together for Jesus Christ. A growing vision of restoration and equipping where in greater and greater ways we see our lives and what we get to be a part of as a center for gospel-centered restoration and equipping in people's lives in this region and around the world. A growing vision of multiplication where we are willing to intentionally invest our lives in multiplying disciples and leaders and even helping new churches get started to reach more and more people to Christ. A growing vision for the nations where we're continuing to grow and partner with global partners all over the world and reaching the nations that are right around us in our communities right now. And a growing vision for really the next generations, where we make a choice to invest in young, young lives today and young families today as God is using His church, His season's church to raise His church for tomorrow. And I would invite you with me to humble yourself before the glory of God today and say that. Lord, show us your glory. We're not worthy of it. But we cry out for it. We need your glory, Lord. We'll follow you with all of our hearts, Lord. Show us your glory. There's no greater desire for us. And remember, our life in Christ is all by grace. It is all gift. The beauty of God's glory is received by grace. 2 Corinthians 3, 5 says, Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us. Oh, can I hear an amen? <laughs> but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The Spirit gives life, the letter of the law kills. Our sufficiency is in God alone. It is by grace. If you'd remember with me, Moses had a speech defect, but he used, it was used by God to lead the people. Gideon came from military insignificance and yet was used militarily against all odds for the glory of God. Ezekiel was a prophet who was timid, and yet he looked to the greatness of the glory of God and found the strength to be faithful in a difficult calling where he was serving the Lord. And yes, as a church, encounter has taken some hits over the years. And yet God has great things ahead. 
because he is faithful and it is for his glory and he is sufficient. And God's glory shines brighter when we realize it's all by grace. Living for the glory of God transforms us and living for the glory of God brings freedom through the Spirit. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, God says to us this morning, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what? You know, I give you these chances sometimes. <laughs> and you, you keep missing it, so I'm going to give you another run at it, all right? Because it's too good not to say with strength and passion and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what? Freedom. Amen. I kind of want to dance just hearing that verse. I also want you to come back to church, so I'm not going to dance. In fact, every bit of rhythm that God did not give me, He gave to the rest of my family, so you can ask them to dance later, because so, they can dance. You know, when I think of freedom, I think of flying. And God created this amazing little animal called a hummingbird. And they can fly like no other birds. There are actually 240 species of hummingbirds. And they're, the small, uh, and they're the smallest species of bird that's out there, by the way. The smallest hummingbird out there is the bee hummingbird from Cuba. It's two inches long and comes weighing in at a whopping one gram. That is how light the bee hummingbird is from Cuba. But unlike all other birds out there, hummingbirds can fly in unique ways. You see, hummingbirds can hover in place like no other bird. Hummingbirds can actually fly backwards. Backwards. Hummingbirds can fly upside down. Take that in for a moment. Unlike any other birds out there, hummingbirds can hover in place, fly backwards, and fly upside down. I listen to that, and I think, Tom Cruise, Maverick, eat your heart out, all right? I mean, that was a pretty amazing movie, but I'm thinking the hummingbird has him conquered hands down. And not only that, hummingbirds are fast. The male Allen's hummingbird, all right, in a courtship display to impress a female Allen's hummingbird, will dive bomb from the sky in a courtship procedure at over 60 miles an hour to impress a female hummingbird. Now, I want you to realize how fast that is. That's 385 body lengths per second. That's how fast that is. That's faster than a falcon. That's faster than a space capsule re-entering the earth, which comes in at 200 body lengths per second. That is a speed record for flirting, all right? That's how I felt when I met my wife, Amy, who's sitting right over there, by the way. That's how I still feel today. That's a speed record for flirting, and that's some serious speed. Hummingbirds fly like nothing else. They're free to fly like no other bird. And that is how God wants us to live, in the freedom of obedience in Jesus Christ. And one of the biggest relational shifts that happens for people, especially when you come from a works-based background, where you have to earn your way for everything in life, earn your way into a spiritual sense of some kind, or earn your way into God's presence. The greatest relational shift in having a living relationship with Jesus Christ is to realize that Christianity is different from all other faiths in the world because of one thing. Because every other religion in the world says you have to do all these things to get into God's presence. Yet Christianity comes along and says Jesus Christ did it for you on the cross. 
And so that today, you can walk in the very presence of God, and you don't have to worry about His amazing glory wiping you out. In fact, you don't just get to walk in His presence, you get to walk with Him as your friend. And how loving is that? We are free to live for the glory of God. We're free to be obedient because of the ministry of the Spirit and the ministry of the Word. Following Jesus in obedience is not drudgery. It is not missing the party. Following Jesus is the party. Amen? Amen. Following Jesus is freedom. And anyone who tells you otherwise doesn't know the Jesus of the Bible, even though there's sacrifice, and there is. There is sacrifice in following Christ. There is cost this side of heaven, of following Jesus Christ. And yet, his joy is greater and his glory is greater. It was Oswald Chambers who once said, the root of all sin is the suspicion that God is not good. And you may have a picture of Jesus, of a Jesus that never smiles. Do you realize that Jesus went to parties with sinners and he was the life of the party? People loved him. Because he loved them, and he loved life, and he loved them into true life. Jesus is the one who would grab children and put them in his lap, and he began to laugh with them and enjoy them, and all the adults in the room would tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, Jesus, can we get back to business, the real business of life? And he'd look at them and say, I am doing my father's business. You see, these little ones have faith like I would want you to have. They enjoy my glory and my presence and try to, instead of trying to force me into their own glory. And I don't know about you, but I imagine Jesus being someone who had contagious laughter. Don't you? I do. You know, contagious laughter is so healing. It's so healing. So helpful. And I've only been here, I think, six weeks. I don't know. I lost count already. But I think it's been six weeks. But I can tell you, I've met some of you in our church family, and some of you have contagious laughter. It, it just feeds your soul. I happened to be at a almost spontaneous memorial for a woman of our church family. Her name's Chasmin Sokolowski. She's from Hawaii. She went home to be with the Lord this last week, and the day of her going to home to be with Jesus, there was almost a spontaneous celebration of life service uh, where she was with her family and others. And Spencer Gosensen, who's a part of our church family. I've only met him a couple times. But talk about a man whose smile just brings the joy of God into the room. Those of you who know him know what I'm talking about. And you want to experience contagious laughter? Show up here on a Tuesday during the wow thing going on in, in the Plex. There's just under 100 women having learning, you know, women of the word, learning about God together. It's almost like the walls of the Plex are like pulsing with joy, contagious laughter. Or come be a part of the dinner in Devo that's coming up. The joy of obedience born out of love for God is contagious. Living for the glory of God also turns us toward God through repentance. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12, says, Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the old covenant, that the same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed." The Apostle Paul is referring to any time someone turns to Jesus Christ as their Savior and embraces Him. 
And every one of us who know the Lord, you know that as we get to know God better, it's a lifetime of turning ourselves toward Him over and over again as we grow in Him. And Paul is referring back to Moses putting his veil over his face, and he's referring to the law in the Old Testament, and how people's hearts were hardened by the law, all these do's and don'ts and their failure in it, and yet Jesus came and fulfilled the law for us, because we are unable. And now we can live in the freedom, because he did that for us. Because when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And a relationship with God begins when you turn your life towards Him. And living for the glory of God requires turning towards Him over and over again. You know, one of the lies of the grace movement, and man, if you know me at all, I love grace. It's why we, we call it amazing, and it is. But there is a lie out there that God never punishes His children. Uh, every parent in the room knows that that's silly. Because a loving parent always shepherds their child with love. And God has these commands, and He wants us to get a clue, and He wants us to get a blessing, because following Him is that good. And a growing life of obedience flows out of the presence of the Spirit leading us, and so that actually when we're obedient, it is the fruit of the Spirit in us. And it's totally possible that some of you came here today, and you kind of felt like there was a veil in your life between you and God. You've let something creep in, and it's not that God's presence is gone from you, but you're quenching the power of the fullness of the Spirit because you've allowed something in that you just know that God doesn't want in your life. And man, we can let so many different things creep in. It can be a hard heart, unforgiveness, anger, it can be something physical. But the Bible says, turn to Jesus today. Turn your life towards Him and the veil will fall. And the fullness of God's joy will return back to your life. There are so many things that we can let creep in. And yet when we bring our sin and our brokenness to the light of Jesus Christ, His light beats that every time. You know, you can turn your life to the Lord today almost in repentance in many different ways. God allows us to do that in worship together. He allows us to do it when we just talk with Him in prayer when you have a Bible study or read the Word on your own, you're, you're turning your life towards God. Uh, we turn our life towards God when we go out in nature and just sit out in God's great cathedral and look over the ocean and are reminded of how great our Creator is. God gives us endless ways to turn towards Him and just to see how great His glory is. It was about a decade ago, a scientist, a professor in astrophysics by the name of Paul Crowther, he announced that he and his research team had made discovery of the brightest star ever discovered in the universe. And basically what they said is they found the star and they named it R123-1A. And this star is 260 times, 265 times the mass of our sun. So let that soak in for a moment. 265 times the mass of our sun. That's how bright it is. So it's not just two times brighter than our sun. That's hard to imagine. It's not even just 10 times brighter than our sun. That's hard for me to fathom because I get sunburnt with the one we have now all the time. Look at this pale bald head that I have right here. You know, and it's not just 100 times brighter or even 1,000 times brighter. It's not even a million times brighter. It's 10 million times brighter 
than the light of our sun. How can anything be that bright? And that star is just a glimpse of the greatness and the power and the glory of God and the beauty of Jesus Christ. And the beauty today is we don't have to tiptoe into his presence. We don't have to come veiled. We're invited to come. We're led by the Spirit to come because of what Jesus Christ did. And so, I invite us to come. Gaze on God's glory today and His faithfulness because He will transform you and He will lead you to freedom as you turn towards Him face to face. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. And we thank you for the example of Moses who prayed so dangerously and boldly for you to show more of your glory to him. And Lord, we thank you and invite you to do the same. We thank you that when you did that for Moses, you reminded him that you're slow to anger, you're merciful, you're full of grace, and your loving kindness is to the thousands. And Lord, I pray that you would just show yourself to each person in this room and listening in online in exactly the way that you want to show yourself to them today. And they may they follow you as a result with all their heart and the beauty of who you are. Thanks, God. Amen.